Welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast, the risk-tickling world of virology, brought to you by the dynamic duo of two Montreal watch enthusiasts. Enjoy dad jokes and bed puns as we deep dive into new releases, trends, reviews, and everything watch-related. Now sit back and rest assured you'll have a good time. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, episode 135. We, uh, we still got it. We still got it. There's been... Or never had it. There's... Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> We don't really have it. We continue not having it. That shows consistency and determination. Yeah. And consistency is, is skill. It's being a virgin so. in your 30s. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly it. That, that means... Commitment. Skill. But sad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I... Not that, this not that I know be... from experience, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So this episode, we're going to talk about news releases and maybe some news in the watch industry. Uh, I find it kind of interesting following the news that there are, to me, maybe it's because of my taste, maybe it's the same, maybe you perceive it the same way, but I find that there are almost bursts of amazing releases once in a yeah. while, so much that we kind of like, oh my God, like I gotta, we got to catch up on I news agree. releases and talk about them because I've seen like 10, 15 amazing watches that I wanted to talk yeah. about, but we just didn't get a chance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's really what we were looking at. There's just a lot of releases, a lot of news, and we were like, let's catch up on that before we get into a, another novel topic, yeah. Uh, but before we start, let's do a quick wrist check. What do you got? I am wearing uh, Seiko 5 rowing blazers Ooh. on a gray NATO strap. So this is the SRP65, so it's a purple dial. Comes on a steel bracelet. The bracelet is awful, so I got could put that in the box. But very simple because it has drilled lug holes. You just take it off. Put it on a on a gray is that box NATO. called a garbage bin. Exactly, um, purple dial steel bracelet. It comes with a dark green and yellow nylon strap. Um, so this is um, if you're trying to differentiate between the other like the five KXs, this is the one the forty millimeter diameter watch. So it's a little bit like a I don't know what you want to call it explorer style or what do you what do you put it? It's just a regular watch. It's a date just uh, or it's a perpetual kind of. But it has the the, the crown at four. They right? all do the, like the other sacrifice. Exactly, they yeah. all do. This one doesn't have a turning a rotating bezel, so it's not a diver's watch. This has four R thirty six, so it's what I like is manual wind, automatic winding. It also has um, a display case back, so it's a twenty four joule, forty one hour power reserve. It's limited to eight hundred and eighty eight. Um, what's really cool about this one is um, just a little of the subtle things. The crystal make, gives it a really nice effect. It has a candy cane, seconds hand. The date is written in uh, Japanese and has um, a little bit of uh, the Rowing Blazers logo on the on the case back. But it's a very nice, very cool summer watch. Purple uh, uh, dial on the gray NATO. Mm -hmm. Very fun. It, it is. And for the price. I mean, this watch was was selling for less than 500 US dollars. I think it was like less than 800 Canadian after all was said and done. It's the, what is the movement in there again? It's an H, is that an H? 4R36. Oh, it's 4R36. Okay, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. It's funny how those watches, that the ones that don't have a rotating bezel, like the one that kind of do like, like a, an explorer exactly. feel, they grow yeah. on you, eh? Like it's, it's a slow, it's a slow burn or a slow yeah. grow. But it's just, it seems that they get, you, you, you get to like them more and more and like more all the time. Pretty much. But like, I'm benign. Yes, of course, we're not going to be I don't inappropriate, know, Dimitri. We'll yeah. It's like a fun yeah, tumor no, that grows not. for many years and then eventually you give a name. And then it's a part of you. Yeah. And then, and then it consumes you and becomes Hello, Samuel. Hello. <laughs> Stop poking it. <laughs> what is that movie? What is that Marvel movie with uh, Tom Hardy? With the symbiote? Uh, uh, Batman. No. Um, 
No, that's not that. He was in Batman, wasn't he? It's not. First thing that came to mind was Batman. (laughs) It's not even Marvel. Sorry, shit. Uh, It's it's not a speed game, Kevin. Um, (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, he's in Spider-Man. It's like Spider-Man's He was uh, a... No, but it was a standalone movie. They made two uh, of them. Poison Ivy. No, it's not. It's Venom. Venom, yeah. Venom, yes. Venom 1 and Venom 2. Actually, there's a Venom 3. slow. Actually, there's a trailer. but I got there. They just released a trailer for Venom 3. Yeah. (laughs) Slow. Well, you're not that slow because you're just just like shooting (laughs) ideas. I got it. (laughs) I only need 17 guesses. Your process of thinking is like... Your thought process is like external. Yeah. You don't you don't think inside of your head. It's all the outside. I went to Batman, to <laughs> Spider-Man, to Poison, and then Venom. At least he didn't go to Jumanji. He wasn't in Jumanji. The original one, obviously. No, he, he was too young. Anyways, you know what the worst part is? Because I go, this is the link I made. I go, is it Batman? Because I'm thinking of, I go, Christian Bale, Christian Bale, Batman, Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan, Inception, Inception, Tom Hardy. That's what I thought. It's like Batman. It's like no. This is like three degrees of separation, yeah. basically. Well, six degrees is technically the term. But anyway, Tom Hardy. You're talking about tumors with Tom Hardy. Tumors with Tom Hardy. It could be a good podcast yeah. for him. Two episodes max. <laughs> <laughs> well, the all right. Episode two. Stop. I I am wearing. The Timex LCA that you guys gave me a couple years ago, I should wear it more. To be honest, I wasn't. Uh, it's a cool watch. It's a nice little, and I like the vintage inspiration. I like that. I like when back in the Quartz Crisis days, the digital watches were like very creative in designs, and it's it's a full size digital screen on the watch, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's very trendy. I would in, say in general, shitty light, very trendy, shitty light indicator. Everything else is fine, but the battery so died. You, oh boy! I don't yeah. know if you can see. So you're going overseas. It's only been two if years. You're going overseas. Are you going to take that on your travel? What's going to be in your? Um, it's a good question. I think I'm going to take a G-Shock. I'm going to take my Mayan Hudson. How long are you Hudson? going for? Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. G-Shock that does one thing. Mayan Hudson is like a dressy diver. Mayan Hudson watch. That's nice. Yeah. Maybe that Timex. Probably going to avoid bringing uh, fancy stuff. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Where are you? And, uh, oh, oh, never mind. Is it dangerous where you're going at all? Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, well, look here. Like, I, I was I'm thinking going, going to, to Mexico. <laughs> exactly. Aleppo. <laughs> it's great in the summer. Yeah, no, I'm going I'm, to, uh, yeah, I'm going to Spain in a few weeks. So, exactly. But where safe. in Spain do you? Yeah, this you know, north of Spain, like rural area. Well, not really big in the big cities like Barcelona, Madrid, and then. North, Barcelona is uh, known for there's a lot of pickpockers there. Even sure. you walk in La Ramblas, you wear your bag in the front because they'll <laughs> they're quick, you know. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, but that's that's all I was saying. Like it's even now, yeah. I wanted to go to Mexico, but it's it's fairly dangerous these days. And I'm nothing against like I've been to Mexico, I love it, and I want to go to I mean Mexico City, I'm not going to Cancun. Like I want to go to Mexico City and and visit. It's a little bit more dangerous now than than other times. It's a p- difficult period. So that's what I was wondering if there's somewhere you go. But like I went to, I was in Europe a while back. I wore my Milgos the whole time. Never did have an issue. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't think there will be an issue. Nah. It's uh, like everybody who travels should exercise caution, right? Don't go flashing your expensive watch. And people who are, you know, in for a steal, they are pretty much, they probably have an eye for a good watch, right? You don't need to be pretending to hide it. If they see it, they will know, right? 100%. Any watch that is. So, I mean, look, I'm pretty sure when you walk in the street and you see somebody wearing a watch, you can, even from far, you can tell what it is, so. 
Yeah, but I don't have like a machete on standby to go chop off his arm, right? I feel like machete is a very extreme way. You can just go and be like, hey, man, I have a gun. Give me your, give me a gun, watch. Give me your watch. Like, you don't have to like amputate my arm. <laughs> I, I'll just give point. it to you. It's a good point. Thank you. I'm John taking notes. Nice. Yeah, take notes. Take notes. <laughs> I mean, you use a... Take notes. I mean, this is recorded, so you can just re-listen to it after, right? <laughs> exactly. You mean I don't have to burn down the whole building? It's like, No. <laughs> You can just leave. It's like, wait, wait a minute. I gotta go make some changes. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, so the one thing is that the battery died and I, I think it was recent and I think it's a bit too soon. I've, I mean, it's only been, no. I've only had it for a couple of years. You think, it, yeah, you think two it's, years maybe it's because yeah. it's a full size uh, display that it, uh, that it dies so quickly? I think it's because it's been to... a couple of years and it's a Timex. It's normal, dude. Yeah, I gotta yeah. gotta go change the battery. I don't know if I can do it myself, but anyways, I, I can. have to do it. Yeah, I can. If well, you, yeah, I, if you... I gotta YouTube the YouTube some reviews or not reviews, but like some guides on how to open the case back no, and dude, what battery. No, I need. no, trust me. I'm sure yeah. it's easy. Yeah, very easy. I have a bunch of batteries here. If ever, just let me know. Yeah, I gotta double check which one it is, but then uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Anyway, so yeah, that's very it. Uh, those are risk checks. So let's uh, jump in into the news. You wanna very go first? good. Yes, I'll, I'll go first. Do you want me to go first? Sure. So I wanted to share, so Tag Heuer has released a very, uh, very beautiful um, Monaco. And I should have been wearing it today. I don't know why I didn't put it on. But they rece- received, uh, sorry, they released a new limited edition uh, Tag Heuer Monaco. What's interesting about this one is that it's based on the Caliber 11. Uh, most of the Monacos they've been releasing now uh, were normally based on the Caliber 12 that had a, uh, the, the crown on the, on the right. Uh, side of the of the case as opposed to the left which is the iconic uh, caliber 11 what's interesting about this specific one is that it is um, in a titanium case and it is sporting a very interesting color wave you can say sweden you can say uh, i don't know there's there's a bunch of different uh, of, of things out there in terms of of what they're kind of relating it to the one that i read that really jumped out at me for this new monaco chronograph racing blue it's called there's like this beautiful azure blue on the subdials there's like this yellow a lighter shade is used on the indices if you were going to take the original caliber 11 that was uh, worn by Steve McQueen in Le Mans, the movie, the 24-hour race. You can also think of this car being, well, I will say in the same vein, the Matra Simca, the Matra Simca MS670 that won the 1972 edition of the Le Mans, which is the 24-hour endurance race. Uh, it was a Group 5 prototype with a sleek, uh, streamlined body. So, you know what, just for Dimitri sake, sorry, I wish I could uh, put it in the, so everyone could see, but if you have a, a, a chance... If you could look at the Matra Simca MS670, I just sent you um, a picture of it. And everyone else, if you have a chance to look it up while we're chatting about it, that's the car that this uh, watch uh, makes me think of. And it's not only what I've thought, but I also saw this on, on a few sites as well. And boy, were they, were they right when they, they, they ended up referring it to this. So it has some lime yellow accents. I think this is a great arrival for uh, a summer watch. I think that the Monaco's are really a cult favorite. People who love Monaco's love the Monaco's. I remember that they've come out with uh, gift sets or sets of them all in five, the Golf Edition, the original Caliber 11, the Caliber 12 with the movement. They're coming out with some really beautiful ones. This one going back to the original Caliber 11, 
it really puts the price into question because it's pretty much a modified Salida SW300, but this is selling at a very expensive price of 9,000 Swiss francs. So um, this watch is quite uh, stunning to see at the beginning. What is the what is the caliber 11 that you have? What kind of mechanism is that? It's the same. It's a 4 it's the same as SW300? Yeah, Modified, but the yeah. difference is that on that SWD300, they put a, a Dubois de Praz module on top of it. So it's not a micro rotor, but it does have a modular movement. With um, So it's it's actually a little bit more elevated, but it makes people question you know, the price of it as well. But this one, like I said, grade two titanium. It has a water resistance of 100 meters, and I, I think it's great. I think it's a great summer watch. Uh, interesting to see that they came out with this one back to the caliber 11 as opposed to their continued iterations of the caliber 12 so for anyone who's a big fan of those caliber 11s uh this might be one that you want to add to your collection especially as a limited edition very nice and i'm loving the uh the titanium case that it's all brushed so it's a bit more rugged looking yeah and i think it, it kind of complements the watch very well because the watch itself i think i've heard that before that that's a very that watch is a very dressy watch in general yeah and i think that kind of Having it uh, with the brushed dial and the brushed case finish with of the titanium kind of makes it a bit more casual, more versatile, I think, for me even. It also has uh, 100 meters of water resistance. Unlike no. yours, yours is 50? 50, yeah. How? Is it just a different gasket? What's the difference? Why is, it that, why is that different? They added better different seals, I guess. They tested it at that. I guess you could put this on a rubber strap. Uh, it's 21 or 22 millimeters. I can't, I don't know the lug width. And then you could Do just... they ever come on metal? On metal bracelet. Yeah, there are. There's the Tag Heuer that does have a metal bracelet. Yeah, it came out, uh, the Monaco um, on a metal bracelet, I think, of 2021. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can find it. But not the, not the cool Caliber 11. Like a titanium metal bracelet, titanium bracelet on this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be interesting, yeah. A lot of fun. Very cool. Not very for everyone, nice. but I think that the Swedes would love this watch. <laughs> the price, though. I no, of course, no one loves the price. It, it makes me think of the engineering a little bit. You know, I love it, but not the price. Absolutely. 9,200 US dollars. <laughs> It's it's a lot. I know. I know the pricing of Bonacos went up. Yeah, recently, I, I got mine. This is uh, this is a lot. I got mine at in 2020. I had an offer on a Monaco brand new from an AD, 5700 Canadian. I got mine at 7200, and now they're at 8400 plus tax. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but overall, very very nice watch. I mean, if I wish it was a little bit less expensive, but I get it. It's a it's a special edition. It's for the uh, niche. It's for the Monaco lover. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Maybe the if they did a rotor in titanium, that would have been cool too in the, in the, in the case back oh, yeah. But overall, very nice. Loving this. I, I love Monaco in general. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, special editions of watches and maybe slightly overpriced, my first uh, news piece today is the the new Omega Seamaster 300M that, it's, that was made specifically for the Paris... 2024 Olympic Games. Now, Omega has been the official sponsor of the Olympic Games since 1932, and there was a short interruption, I think, at the time the Swatch Group took over in '86. But uh, outside of that, they pretty much always were the de facto Olympic sponsor. The first watch dedicated to the Olympic Games uh, was created by Omega. Was released by Omega in 1956. It was a Seamaster. 16 that was made for the Melbourne Olympics. And uh, this one is specifically dedicated to the Paris 2024. It is only available at Omega Boutiques specifically in Paris. Yeah. Which makes it quite difficult to get, most likely, and probably will dictate the prices a little bit, I think. Quickly about the watch itself, it features 
the standard Seamaster bracelet, but they've added a new technology that they've been adding on other watches, which is they have a proprietary push-button uh, quick-release mechanism. So now that bracelet also has that, so you can easily interchange like rubber straps and uh, brace it. Very cool. Instead of you know like the, the regular hook and pull kind of uh, situation with other quick release mechanisms, this one actually has a button in the back, which is I mean it's pretty cool. Makes me think of um, the button when I look at it, like the um, Beau Mercier Riviera or even the Cartier. They just like it's just. You just pull it right off, right? Yeah, Cartier Santos, yeah, exactly. very well done. Cartier has that too, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and you know what? Uh, I've never used it, obviously, but to me, it looks like what if I accidentally press too hard against my wrist and I just unlock it? You know, it falls off my wrist. You probably. I don't know if it's possible. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they designed it to not for that not to happen. Yeah. Uh, but very cool. Uh, I mean, it, honestly, like as much as you know, we have the tools to remove. Uh, bracelets ourselves uh, like a nice mechanism is always better you know some standout features of this watch is that the uh, the brace sorry the the bezel is finished in 18 karat moonshine gold which is like a omega proprietary name for their gold uh, mixture and it has a frosted finish in addition they have gold kind of plated uh, markings applied markings on the dial as well as the the hands are also in the moonshine gold there's a little bit of a design choice indicating that this is specifically dedicated to Paris 2024. There's a little, like, a, you know, that little tip on the second hand that you don't like on the other versions yeah. that's at the end. This one has, like, the flame that's a logo of the 2024 Olympics. The watch is very cool itself because the dial is ceramic with uh, the similar wave pattern as we, all, as we all know. But the difference is that this one is a, I think it's a positive wave uh, dial pattern that they call it. And it's less, let's say, less dense. So it's more subtle. It's pretty nice, I think. Apart from that, like the case back has a cool finish, I think. There's more of a like a Paris 2024 design. I like the frosted finish on the case back. And as well, it features like that moonshine medallion in the middle mm. with the flame from uh, from the Olympic Games. Uh, apart from that, it's pretty much the same as the standard uh, Seamaster 300M. has that 8800 movement. That's a meta-certified movement for 55 hours of power reserve. It has one thing indicating on the case back that I mentioned. It's called the NIAD lock yeah. mechanism. So it's, um, it's again, it is a patented Omega uh, screw-down mechanism, which basically makes sure that when you screw down a case back, if you have a specific design that needs to be aligned or facing in a particular direction, it's going to align perfectly, right? So it's never going to be like slightly tilted to the side. It's it, it, This is like fixing the chapter ring problem with, with Seiko's. Yeah. Again, pretty watch, I think. It is pretty. But like the previous one you were talking about, this one is going to be a bit more expensive. This is 8,700 USD or 11,500 11, Canadian as compared to the regular model that's 8,100 Canadian. Right, so it's three thirty-five hundred borrows more. And and to the, to me, this watch, there's some definitely improvement from Tokyo's uh, release from Omega. Can't help but feel that maybe Omega missed a few things here that they could have done better. This looks like the Necton watch. They reversed essentially the dial and added gold to the bezel and to the hands. I really wish that they made the crown or the escape valve in gold. Oh yeah, okay. That would be cool. Say make it disappear. No. <laughs> Make it in gold. I do like this watch, though. Of the Seamasters, it's like it a dressier pretty. version of it. I wish they kept the exposed case back and then put in Paris in a different way. Uh, maybe making the helium escape valve gold or the crown gold. Um, you also like the white dial Seamasters, right? I do. The polar white one. So maybe that's... But this feels a little dressier, don't you think, than the other 
you know, Seamaster 300s. I find this one has like a little little air of elegance to it. And maybe even the bracelet, if it had a few, if it had some gold accent in the middle, not a big one, but the way they do with the Sedona gold, like if, if it had tapering. If only that bracelet had some tapering. And honestly, I'm not. Uh, I know I've been repeating this. I've, when I was looking for the news releases, I you know I read a bunch of articles on this. A lot of people are talking about how Omega Seamaster needs to update the bracelet. It's it's been, you know, it's not. I think something well, that I, I don't just. Yeah, I don't know where Omega would be without James Bond. I think that modern Omegas need a little bit of inspiration. Everything that they come out, they have yet to come out. I find with a real home run in the last few years. From end to end, like some of them are great, yeah. but I'm just like, wow, they really thought of everything. Everything kind of like, oh, the, those Aquaterras are great, but the dial, uh, the date is poorly cut out. Oh, they did this. They're oh, they're, the bracelet, so. they missed that. Oh, they 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 changed this. Oh, why did they they miss that? And it just, I don't know. And the prices have gone up quite a bit. And you know, honestly, no longer the bargain. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why they keep making so many different new editions of Speedmasters, because that's the moneymaker, maybe for them. Maybe yeah, it's the, yeah that and the Seamasters for I guess the James Bond like they really lean into James Bond to get people in store. But for some of them, I just it's it's I don't know they need. A, if you're not Rolex, like every brand, if you're not Rolex, you have like a couple of watches that are that made you famous, and you just keep making it. Like Tag Heuer, right? You have the Monaco, and you have a bunch of Octavias, right? Octavias, yeah, Carreras, yeah. So everything else is secondary. Yeah, but Dima, look at what Tudor's doing. Even if it's ball black bays, they're killing it every year. Yeah, I actually saw I saw the, the new Red Bull today. I went to uh, I went to Burks. And it's nice, uh, and uh, it's nice. Not, nice. I wanted to see the chronograph, but uh, this one is beautiful. It's just a beautiful. Even watch. that new Jubilee red bezel black uh, reissue of the Black Bay with a master chronometer movement. You're just like this thing's like five and a half oh, grand, yeah. and you go, yeah. this thing's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So anyway, I, I always say Omega needs to focus on tutor and stop trying to be the next Rolex. That's true. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a, obviously I'm not in the, I'm not working in that watch industry. I am not the one to give them suggestions on how to run the business, but I feel like they do need to have uh, a couple more pieces that are, you know, that, that hit all the marks. Yeah. But I'm just saying that in general, this I think was a beautiful release from Omega. Yes. I really do like Price-wise, actually price-wise, I got to say, I don't think that it's overly expensive. No. Because it features a lot of 18-carat gold on it. Specifically, the bezel is all moonshine gold. And I do love the fact that it's not uh, high-polished gold. It's a frosted finish. Yeah. So it's kind of matte. Yeah. And I think it, it works very well with this watch yeah. together. And it does and like you said, it makes it very wearable. It doesn't make it too too shiny, too, too, too dressy. Too, exactly. It really does subdue it. Actually, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. All right. All right. Very nice release. So my next release that I want to share, I'm going to go on the very different spectrum. I'm going to Swatch, the ones that also work with Omega. <laughs> but Swatch also released a new watch called the uh, Bioceramic What If Collection. And what it's basically premised on is that when they were in the 1980s, they were deciding to launch you know, which watch. And it was between a square or rounded uh, case and in that case they in that situation they went with the round case so this is a line where their share they essentially came out with new swatch prototypes from 1981 at first glance i know what you're thinking like wow it looks like a nomos tetra right it's just a square watch at 33 millimeters but i have to say they're just they're they're really you know i think a well done application of bioceramic it makes me think i have a few gripes with this watch uh, my first thought 
is when I look at this, I go, okay, this is what biosomatic from Swatch should cost. This watch costs 130 Canadian dollars. It's like $100, 109 euros or something like that. It is a quartz movement in a very light bioceramic, so let's not kid ourselves, plastic. The, squ- the watch measures 33 by 33. I was going to say, my garbage bags at home are bioceramic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, at three o'clock, you'll find the day-date calendar. Uh, it's, like I said, it is a quartz movement. It comes in, uh, I think, four different iterations. You have a a small, like a gray bioceramic with a white dial and Roman numerals. You have the white case with the blue dial that has a, a 12, 9, and 6 because the 3 has the day date. Another one that's green with like this Art Deco type of pattern around the edge of the dial. And then lastly, you have the black case uh, with um, just the, I think, the more standard one that came out of the prototype uh, in terms of the indices, so to speak. So there's no numbers on it as well. Very cool. Uh, my my other, So it makes you think about the pricing, what Moonswatch, uh, their bioceramic, which, by the way, I received one as a gift. Believe it or not, I got a Jupiter Moonswatch. So I'll wear it on the next episode. I think it was a good application of this material. The one thing I'm looking at is that this is supposed to be grab and go, right? It's quartz. This thing has 20 meters of water resistance. So it's allergic to water. I also think it's maybe a good way to test if you like square watches. I mean, this is 130 bucks. You can take it and wire it a couple of times and you're fine. Keep it in your collection. It's a fun, quirky watch and a good use of bioceramic. Uh, But please, you know, don't go out in the rain wearing this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, because the the paint is going to come off. Oh my God. But it's very, (laughs) very, very uh, affordable. But I think... If you want to know if a square watch is for you, this might be the one to, to try it out. But really well executed uh, watch. I've, I saw it in the window uh, walking because I work near. They just opened a Swatch a store inside <laughs> oh, the in the window of someone's house. Yeah. <laughs> the lady was uh, wearing the watch. exactly in the Eaton Center. They opened a <laughs> new Swatch store. It's like, what are you doing in my yard? The, I saw the pictures of it, and they were in the um, in the windows facing the street. They're nice. They're obviously very cheap. The product was there, though, you know. Um, I think it's a very nice release. Yeah. Very cheap. A lot of fun. It, and uh, well done. It, it's it's very nice. Design-wise, you know, I have nothing else, nothing to say. It's it's very cool. It's very pretty. All of the different variations of it have a different design on the dial, different dial pattern. Yeah. Very cool. But for 100 bucks, knowing that the Moon Swatches for 350 are shit quality, four, yeah. how shit is this? In terms of quality, how quickly is it going to fall off your wrist and stop working? But here's the thing. I think it should be probably okay only for one reason. It doesn't have a chronograph in it. You're just wearing the watch. It's a time and only watch. I mean, that's it. It does have a crown that looks very small because it's a 33 millimeter watch, right? And the crown is like, you have to like a tweezer to be able to to, to rotate the crown. I feel like it's going to fall off first. Well, anyways, we'll see. We'll see. I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. But it's a nice, very nice looking... Yeah, very nice looking designs. Yeah. You can get some... You can get some cadizens for that money on Alibaba. Oh, I agree. They will never break. I agree. But, uh, With an automatic the, movement. The Design-wise. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that open case back in the sapphire crystal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 200 meters of water resistance. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So but there's uh, your overall very nice swatch. Yeah, good job on them. I like what they're doing with this watch, the right application of bioceramic. Keep it going. All right. So, I mean, honestly, since uh, you, you kind of did almost like a dressy version of a watch, and it's sort of, well, yours is square, mine is sort of square. So you know, to, to go along with the theme. This is by a, a small French brand that I 
have heard of before, but never really looked into them. They're called uh, March LAB, kind of March Lab, and they've released a new version of their watch called Mansart Automatic. The brand itself, it's uh, they're pretty young. I think they started in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, between France and the US. They follow 70s-inspired design principles, and that model Mansart that was just released is a very good example of that. It's a rectangle-shaped case, kind of dressy watch that's 34 millimeters wide and 11 millimeters thick. It pays a tribute to the octagonal shape of uh, Place Vendôme in Paris. So it is octagonal technically, but it's just that the, the corners are cut off, right? So it kind of looks like mm-hmm. a rectangle, but it, it makes it oct- the, the cut off corners make it, make it octagon. It features polished and brushed surfaces on the case, also octagonal a crown. It, it has an interesting minimalist, like a forest green dial with stick hands and applied numerals, or sorry, applied indices. And it features La Jupere-based G100 automatic movement that has 68 hours of power reserve, plus uh, minus four plus six seconds per day. It's a four hertz movement. It's also decorated with a slotted rotor design and the Côte de Genève finishing. That's the watch itself. And the bracelet kind of goes on par with that 70s theme. It's a seven-link stainless steel bracelet, uh, which works, I think, very well with that vintage-inspired design overall. Not a cheap watch because of the movement, because of the finish. It's 17, 78 USD or 24, about $100 Canadian. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe not necessarily for somebody who's not into the enthusiast, let's say, independent watch brands, but I think it's a pretty good package for the price. Mm. I don't know how much you know about this brand. They do. They have very interesting designs, I find. And kind of like Laurier, uh, they do have a specific era inspiration behind watch designs. How long have they been around uh, Relatively for? new. Do you know? For about uh, 14 years. I think they started in 2009. And it's, uh, it's kind of a company that was started between France and the US, between the people who are... Uh, Let's say we work there, you know, have history in the watch industry. Interesting. The one thing that I don't necessarily like about this watch is that the open case back, uh, the crystal or the glass on the case back is green. Okay. I do prefer. I don't. Know, I don't know why they went with this. I think that would have worked better if it was uh, transparent for me mm-hmm. at least. But overall, I'm really liking the aesthetic of the design. I think it's very unique. I love the bracelet. It's kind of like almost like a Timex LCA. Obviously, it's not comparable because of it's a whole different quality. I would say you know you can compare it to the Laurier watches yeah. because they have the the '60s Art Deco inspiration. I think this is also that kind of style. Very cool. Not don't know much about this brand, but uh, I saw it and I, I always thought to... Art Deco was more in the '30s and '40s. Honestly, I just say Art Deco because brand. it makes me sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Deco was like a, was like the design, the pattern that came into like this, the 30s when the Manhattan and and the, the building of the... Like a Rockefeller Center. Yeah, that sort of thing. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Suppose. Suppose if I did, Anywho. what would I say if I did? If I, if I, if I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. So that's a, yeah, interesting. Maybe keeping with the independence, I have an interesting brand from Canada called the Arcus uh, Exos. So uh, Arcus is a brand... We've talked about it already on this podcast. Uh, I had my eye on getting one of their last uh, releases, the Mesos, but unfortunately, it never it didn't get enough funding for them to be able to launch their product. So they just refunded us all their money. What was interesting about Arcos in gen- is is one, they're from Canada. They're based out of Calgary, in the north of Calgary near the Rockies. It's run by this gentleman named Raf Dwozniak who comes, he was originally an electrical engineer. And over the last six years, he really got into the passion of watchmaking. Um, he does everything from the design all the way to the manufacturing and assembly of all the in-house manufactured complication modifications. So they, what does that mean? In his first watch, 
which I think it was called the, yeah, the Tropos, exactly. Um, It was like this military-inspired syringe hand, black dial chronograph. What they did was it took the the Seagull ST19 and then modified it to make it a Mona Pusher chronograph by adding its own in-house module. He didn't buy this. He actually made it all in-house. And that's impressive. He did the same, uh, the Mesos, which took the modifications even a step further. In addition to being an ST19-based mono pusher, he changed uh, the mono pusher, rejiggered it to the start and reset with the ability to hold before release like a vintage Omega chrono stop. So what would happen is you would start the chronograph, you would stop it, and then as you release it, it would it would it goes back to zero. It's pretty cool. And that watch, I think, was even crazier, was charging $599. But it never made it to production. Now he's come out with an even cooler watch, one of which I bought because he made only 10 examples and I jumped on it because I was like, you know what? I, I really am attracted to the fact that it's a Canadian watch. Uh, so this one, the Exos, is a 39 millimeter by 46 by 10.5, 20 millimeter lug width. Here's where it gets a little bit different. He did a case where the dial, which is fully in-house, is made entirely of grade two titanium, has raised indices made from steel uh, that's also made in-house. It's brushed and anodized to a deep purple or a blue, a deep blue, or, or I think it's actually more of a striking blue. The raised index ring is, is uh, or the raised index is a ring of metal with lines cut through at the hour rather than going straight out, they, they curve. At 369, the, the cuts create triangles, which at the 12, the triangle is a bit larger. While it looks like a single piece of material that was milled, these are actually all individually milled and applied and then brushed together for a constant finish. So it's actually very, very well done. What's also great, it's all done in-house. There's, it's, it, they really did everything in-house in, in uh, producing this. They don't have a name on the watch. The logo, which is a silhouette of the Rockies Mountains as well, or of mountains in general, is, is their logo, and it's also applied on the dial. And here's where it gets fun as well, the definition of independent watchmaking. What he did here was, and if you, sorry, I need to mention this as well, the hands are also made in-house. They also did them in-house. So you really, he, it's, it's actually quite impressive. They're like these very sharp Dauphine hands. In this case, he went a little bit like you see in the Ming 1709. He took a Salida SW330 GMT and modified it. So what it means is that this watch is not a GMT watch. What it means is that he's modified it so that the SW330 is a color GMT. So while it's keeping time on a regular basis, if ever you need to change time zones, you pull the crown out to the first position, and as you rotate it, the hour hand will move to wherever you need it to go without ever stopping the watch from ticking, keeping perfect time when you're changing a time zone. He made this mod- modification completely in-house, so parts needed to be modified, removed, and even made new changes to the functionality. That's what makes this watch really cool. And also, I think a a debate in terms of what makes independent watchmakers. I think this starts to dive into that, what it means from independent watchmaking. Uh, Being able to take something that's there and doing certain things in-house without building an entire movement, but putting in a module onto yourself. They actually came out with a watch that sold for about 7,500 Canadian dollars. They had made a watch with 9OL stainless steel case uh, it was powered by a Salida SW210, but this watch, they reworked the whole movement for a single plate design, new bridge, all hand finished, all polished, beveled edge. I think it was a one of one. 
I think it really is a one of one that the the watch that they had on the um, that they sold essentially was a uh, a one of one. But these Exos collections is um, they've only made ten of each color. Oh, 20 pieces, sorry, or 10 of each color exactly. So I, think I got it's the 10, purple 10, one. 10 units per color, I think. Yeah. yeah. It is a really beautiful, I think, execution of a Canadian watch with a little bit more soul in getting something that um, you know, let's just shove a movement in this and 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 call it a day. This one comes with a little bit more to it and I really enjoyed it. I'm happy I I got my hands on one. Oh, sorry. Uh I keep refreshing the website and there's still blue one. When I refreshed five minutes ago, it said uh, one of them said ten units. That's why I said it's ten units per limited version. But it was how much was remaining. Now it says one. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I yeah. think, and the other one is I think sold out. The blue one, or the blue one, the the purple. Purple, yeah, that's the one I got. Uh, very cool. Very, very nice. Cool. I, I, you mentioned Ming. I was gonna just mention, like I was gonna say, it reminds me of Ming a little bit. Not that I want to compare them necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's very cool. Like especially if somebody's doing it in house, alone in house, that is. Very Without impressive. having to build everything, the guy's very transparent. He goes, the dials in house, the hands are done in house, uh, all of the indices are there in house, and the logo. That movement, I'm gonna take Salidas, but I'm modifying it to do this, and then you're like, fuck, that's really cool. And shout out to another Canadian watchmaker. It's yeah. awesome. It's, it's happy to see that uh, this is, you know, and he's proudly Canadian now. Huh? He's awesome. very proudly Canadian. So I'm very happy with this. Uh, and he's all about modifying movements. That's his whole thing. He really likes the micro-engineering. So that's my other release that I thought was really great. And if anyone got their hands on one, yep. let me know. Because I also ordered it as well. So I think deliveries at the end of the year. But we'll see. Yeah. No, these are in stock, actually. They're going to deliver soon. So I'm very excited. Very cool. My next one is, and I actually want to ask you a question. So you recently got yourself that uh, King Seiko that's green. Right. Uh, well, not a King Seiko. I got an Alpinist. Sorry, it was oh yeah, sorry, not a King Seiko. The yeah. Alpinist, yes, yes. The, the original Alpinist. Yeah, uh, uh, green dial, right? Yeah. How is that? How is that? Because you know you had issues with the green dial. How are you wearing it? Yeah, I'm wearing it quite a bit. The I I I think I figured out why. I think that I wasn't gravitated to the other ones because they were too green. They popped too much. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, this one is much more subtle and it makes me think if ever I had an Omega Seamaster 300 that is green, you, like they almost called it what the seaweed is what I heard. Yeah. I would probably gravitate more to that Omega green than I would right. the Hulk green because right, it right. pops so it's much. Bright, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's not it's not the green that I'm looking for. But the, this Seiko is so dark green right. that it kind of, it kind of, uh, like it's, it's sub, more subdued. So there is a specific reason why I asked you that. It's because, and this is going to be a bit of a soundbite because I've talked about this brand forever and I love this brand and I want to watch it. Guess? For them. Yeah, go. And if you're talking about green, is it the new Bell & Ross? No, but that one is also very nice. I like that one okay. quite a bit actually. No, it okay. isn't. Oh, no, wanna, no, no. I, I definitely know what it is. I definitely know what it is. Uh, well, I'm sure I you have guess. seen it in the news. Yeah, go. Yeah, because I'm thinking that what came out of was green, then it yeah, has to be I think you usually think fierce. outside of your head. It is. Fierce. It yeah. is fierce. So okay. they added a new color variation. It's called the new, mm. it's the Mallard Green dial variant to the Brunswick collection. And it's a boutique exclusive. Oof. They are celebrating the one year anniversary of a flagship showroom in Bristol. And they're releasing a pair of watches in Mallard Green, a color never used in regular production of fierce watches before. What it is marking is that beginning of the boutique editions collection, which will extend to all future fierce models. It's two versions, the 38 and the 40. They're both cushion-cased watches with dark green dials inspired by the tones of the Mallard Drake Duck. No idea what that is, but I guess you have to be from England to know that. <laughs> a Mallard Drake Duck? I actually, 
You know why I know that? Because of uh, DuckTales. <laughs> because you had it yesterday for supper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ding dong dong. No, but it was, uh, it was DuckTales. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I wish DuckTales, but I wish DuckTales in Russia. So it was not, uh, it wasn't Mollard Drake. Uh, was <laughs> no. It was, <laughs> it was Duck Ivanov at your Duck service. <laughs> Anyways, so, <laughs> so what I, I mean, look, it's, 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 a, it's a Brunswick version. It's, sorry, it's a, it's a fierce Brunswick watch. I love it. I spoke about it before. The finishing on the watches is fantastic. Every single little detail is like hand finished to perfection. There is no straight uh, edges on it. Everything is curved. It's, it's like nothing else. The color variation, that's why I asked you, is because it's a dark green. It's a very, very deep green. And I think yeah. that this, this is amazing. I wanted to get the salmon, but I'm like not sure now if I want to get this or salmon. I think this oh, could be get that. the one. It's yeah, so awesome one. looking. And I'm like, ugh, just, just beautiful. <laughs> Expensive, but totally worth it. It's a, it's a bit, a bit, if you get it, you can get it on a leather strap or a bracelet. So it's going to be between 55 or 6,300 Canadian dollars. So, you know, convert it to the, the currency of your choice, maybe like yeah. $4,500, $5,000 US. It's worth it. It's not cheap, but it definitely is one of the independent brands, I think, to own if you are into some cool, historically, you know, significant brands that, are, that have been recreated and actually still run in the family business because Nicholas Bowman's Cargill is his, his blood related to the Fears watch company. And Edwin, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's fantastic. I, I think this is, this is probably the one for me to get now. This five-link bracelet, I love it. I think the fact that it's a little bit larger gives it that sector dial. It has those typical signature um, features that makes it a Fears. You know the pip on the second hand uh, balance. Yeah. You know the, even the sec, even the hour and minute hand pips at the end of it is the fierce oh, pip, and and they added a little bit of water resistance to this one. I think I don't know what it is, but I know that this this line has more water resistance, allowing it to what they consider a sports watch Com- rather than the Brunswick. This one is a, is larger at forty, I believe, and uh, has it has more water resistance. So it is to what Fears mentioned their um, sports watch or sports line. Yeah, it's uh, the forty the forty millimeter one is uh, one hundred fifty meter water resistance. So, so there you go, and that's a that's field watch rating, right? You know, that's fear. That's uh, yeah, you can do everything with that. So yeah, that's a bit of a soundbite, uh, but uh, I think again, uh, beautiful, beautiful watch. Like they just, they really hit it on the nail every single time they make a new design of their dial. Every des- every dial they make is just wow. Absolutely, absolutely. So what I want to jump into is just seeing a little bit of the news, and there's just just two things in terms of the results that we saw this year and the sales and what that actually means. So there's three that jumped out. I mean, like I saw that. No, three sound bites are just three big groups. Swatch group, half year report. So after six months, 2023, sales are up 18%. Watch this. The Moon Swatch came out last year. So sales are still up 18%. So that means I don't think they came out with anything else that was big, but they got sales up 18%. I have to bet that's based on, on the Moon Swatch. But I thought about it more, that's Swatch. Yes. Talk about Swatch yeah. Group. So Swatch yeah. Group is all of their different brands. They're doing very well right now. Then I'm like, okay, who else is struggling? Anyone else struggling? Richemont reports 14% sales growth. So who's Richemont? Beaumont Mercier, Panerai, Jaget Lecoutre, uh, Cartier. IWC. IWC. They're doing well. Clearly, Cartier's second big watch uh, retailer right now after Rolex, luxury retailer. Who do you think right? is their biggest seller in terms of brands? Of Richemont. Richemont? Yeah. It's Cartier. Yeah. 
they're second to Rolex overall, so they have to be the first in Richemont, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and they have those other luxury I mean, they spaces. They don't just sell watches, right? That's the jewelry as well. Yeah, so. exactly. And then you have LVMH. They're also a 15% growth in the first half of the year. But that one jumped out at me. Beyond all these sales numbers, we could talk about why, whatever. But prices went up. Swatch increased their prices a lot. Hamilton's went up. Longines went up. GLC Horse, went crazy. GLC went up like Reversals, crazy. Yeah. Omega's been going up. Panerai's going up. Everyone is going up. All the Richemont brand, Tag Heuer, even the, um, even the brand like Bulgari, Tag Heuer and Zenith, they also went up. We're seeing a price hike there. It's tough. I mean, it's really tough. I don't know what to make of it, but what I really think is shitty is the cheap, affordable, or the really, I'll say, really affordable sports watch. The Seikos of the world have now gotten expensive. They've now gotten expensive. Like they're much more expensive than what they used to be. A Seiko Alpinist you could buy for 300 bucks. That's probably why they made the Seiko 5s because they couldn't sell like the other Seikos at a lower price anymore. And even then they're getting questioned for their price. Yeah. Because the Seiko 5s are not cheap either, some of them, right? Support independence. Yeah. I mean, look at your Mayan. Oh, man. Your Mayan pronouncing it that way. I I think it's price is incredible. It is. It is. It is uh, incredible. What I've also noticed is that there are some like, when I look at, for example, sports watches specifically or even luxury watches we're seeing more more and more i think in the last year luxury watches at a more accessible price point that's what i've noticed as well when i look at the prx when and i mean this is what i mean like there's some beautiful watches we're able to get if you get into the 1500 2000 range i mean you can get some serious watches at that price when you look at longines the prices have gone up but the, I find the quality or the inspiration or execution of their watches has improved dramatically. Dramatically. Look at Tudor. It wasn't great before 2009 and then the Black Bay came out. And now they're doing incredible things and the prices have crept up a little bit, but they're still keeping it relatively low. But look at Oris. Yeah. Oris. Longines, we talked about that. $2,000. Very hard to, to compete with them. But they're starting to, not starting, but they're like, they're hitting way above their belt. So I think that there's like more accessibility to that luxury space, but you have to be willing to spend 1500 bucks, 2000 yeah, to get into it. Yeah, for sure. And you just mentioning Longin, I was, uh, I walked over to one of the uh, stores uh, this week, uh, tried on the Zulu Time in 38. Man, I stand by my choice. That's, I think, the best release for me so far this year. It's uh, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like, in terms of the watch you're getting and the in the package overall, it's... It's hard to beat for like... It's 39, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's like under $4,000 Canadian. It's crazy. I like the gold one. I would even pay more to get that. It has like a gold bezel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, gold, and gold crown. That one's fucking amazing. But yeah, it, it, and then in that case for $4,000, you can get a watch that's punching well above its weight. Definitely. Anyway, but I think it's like the most... We're living in a world where you can get m- much more accessible luxury sports watches because there was a time where it's like, well, you have to get into this bracket and above... Everything else is just like entry level. Right. But entry level now is there's like so many sports watches, so many luxury sports watches. I've been really seeing sports watches because I don't know when dress watches are going to come back, but it's not really a need, right? I mean, look at the Splash, the PRX. Well, they never really were the, the most popular runs, right? They, they, they always kind of maintain a small niche, I think in my mind at least. They will always stay yeah. there. They always are. Like I always walk around the stores and I always check out some uh, dress watches because I just, I just love dress watches. But definitely yeah. not something that people probably buy in masses like they buy sports watches. Well, if I look at it in the other way from the company, it's probably not their bread and butter. Probably not. Unless you know, you're going to go like Tissot right now is uh, it's their everyday, their PRX. Yep. 
It's sure. making a lot of them, right? For sure. Uh, and they're sea stars, right? And then Longines, it's, it's our Zulu time, but it's our spirit. It's our, our, I guess, conquest. They're making a lot of, you know, all sports watches. Yep, for sure. Uh, if, they, if only they could update that Crown Guard on, on Hydro Conquest. It's the thing that to me looks like such an afterthought. Like everything is nicely designed, it's and it's so like you know what? Pronounced. It's like the you know like the design groups. One of them was like, okay, I'm the watch case design. I'm I'm the I'm the crown guard designer, and then they did not yeah. talk to each other at all. And then he's like, oh, here's the oh, you're making a watch. It's very very <laughs> pronounced. It's so big. It seems very yeah. very uh, out of place. Um, but anyway, that's what that was what I wanted to share. It's like I'm looking. I'm like, okay, so sales are going up for everybody. Prices are going up. But also, there's like this all-time selection of luxury sports watches that you can get under accessible luxury sports watches, is what I'm saying. You can get serious bang for buck at 2000 yeah. bucks and be totally, yeah, I'm wearing like lug, almost luxury at this yeah. point, right? Like high-end luxury. Um, and then my, my last thing is I'm noticing, the last thing is that I wanted to mention that I'm noticing in terms of the market, the bubble has deflated. Like where there was, a, yes, um, I see that. Like even, like it, it's going down. You can see it on the used market. All those exorbitant, mar- like how can I say, uh, pricing for those watches has gone down. So I think it's just interesting food for thought. There's a lot of debate out there on what it means. It, I don't think the bubble's going to pop. Probably but. not, but it probably also is a, a function of the recession that uh, we're going through. That people yeah. are just maybe not spending as much money in uh, on luxury items as they were before. And that yeah, uh, Dimitri moves prices down a little bit. Sales are up. All <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, it's, well, I mean, it's in, weird. In term, when, when it comes to Swatch, yes, I can understand, right? Obviously, because they killed it last year with the the, the Moon Swatch. But the other ones, I don't know. I can think of like huge releases outside of the ordinary. Of the Amaze, like what are they doing? But they still have their clientele. They're still selling. It's it's interesting. So the bubble is is receding a little bit. Supply is there because we can get the watches. Yeah. Sales yeah. are up. Prices are up. It's, it's it's interesting. So the next one, and this is going to be a surprise because I think I'm going to buy that. Oh, oh. so it's actually Nevada Gretchen, and they just released a limited edition Chrono King Paul Newman orange watch, paying an homage nice. to the vintage yeah. model from the 70s. So what what's interesting about it uh, that I, when I started looking into this, it pays an homage to Jean Singer, if I, I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, which is a famous company dial maker in the early to mid 20th century, responsible for some of the most famous watch dials ever. Paul Newman's Daytona, Speedmaster, Hoyer Skipper, just the first three that I can think of. Yeah. And they companies would hire dial manufacturers to make their, to make dials for their watches, and that company was the one. Unfortunately, it didn't survive the quartz crisis and kind of ceased to exist around the 70s, 80s. Uh, I think the, 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 the person who started the company him died also around that time, so that contributed to the demise of the uh, of the dial manufacturer. The watch features the famed Jean Zenger numeral font seen on the Paul Newman Daytonas. It's a mecha quartz chronograph combining quartz for timekeeping and a mechanical module for the chronograph function. 38 millimeter diameter, water resistance to 100 meters, eye-catching orange color, and I think honestly that's what sold it for me. For some reason, it's just that color combination just popped like it sold it to me instantly as soon as i looked at it it's it's to me it looks amazing it's probably not for everybody but even specifically this combination really really worked for me and like i said it's the 38 millimeter case 100 meters water resistance it's priced at 479 usd so around maybe 600 canadian dollars will be available for a limited time 
with orders placed within a five-week window delivered by September, October 2023. Uh, I think this is great because it's an expensive way to get into a brand that was revived, that actually has a lot of historical significances, and to try that brand to see if you like the quality, if you like the design, if you like the way the watch fits. Because again, this is a Seiko VK64 Megacords. Uh, and then maybe if you do, you can get, you can get a Chronomaster, which will feature an automatic movement. To me, this is gorgeous. And I, one thing I forgot to add is that this watch comes with like 10 different combinations of uh, bracelets and straps you can choose for this watch. Everything. I think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to press a, a pre-order. I just love the colors. It's it's such a cool variation, I find. Look, this is all, all as well the perfect grab-and-go chronograph. It's always going to be set. It's wonderfully executed and like you said i think any dial with the daytona layout and there's a lot of of merit to this what i'm going to say it's like it served as such an inspiration to so many chronograph it serves as the basis of how many designs are made and what inspires them that specific and the daytona uh is so epic for that i think it's ultimately the in a lot of ways of like the perfect chronograph from uh, the paul newman daytona like when you see it, as much people be like, oh, I don't like Daytonas. But when you look at a Paul Newman Daytona, it's yeah. beautiful. It's stunning. Um, and this watch is perfect because it's mecha quartz. It's super easy to, 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 to grab and go. And uh, you'll, have never, you'll never have any By issues. By the way, did you ever so. watch uh, Crazy Rich Asians? Yeah. That movie has like, because obviously they show about like billionaires, right? They show oh, yeah. some little like subtle hints on like how crazy rich they are so one of the scenes yeah. like it's not even the main characters i don't know why one of the sisters husbands whatever she's i think she's one of the daughters of that big family she owns like 14 apartment complexes you know so she makes good money i guess she it's her husband's like birthday or something and she's like oh i got you a watch for your birthday he opens it up it's a freaking paul newman's daytona i'm like oh my god he's <laughs> like <laughs> like it couldn't it just be like a regular daytona platinum no no it has to be a paul newman's daytona <laughs> The Paul Newman. Oh my God. No, that is like, I think, one of the best chronographs ever. And uh, one of my favorite um, designs of dial designs ever. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. and it's, uh, I don't know what you think about this color combo, but for me specifically, it just pops. Like, I, I saw it, I'm like, yeah. God damn it, I have to have it. And for that price, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Not even, not even going to think twice. Nope. I think it's wonderful. Uh, quickly, uh, jumping to the industry news, and I'm pretty sure everybody who you know follows watches kind of heard about it already. Uh, you know, July was quite intense in terms of storms and unpredictable weather. Montreal actually got hit with tornadoes. We had a tornado warning one day. Never seen that before. Hopefully, we'll never see that after. No. Nope. Uh, but what thing? What happened uh, uh, also in Switzerland on July 24th? There was a massive storm that hit the Neuchâtel Mountains causing significant damage. And the storm was exceeding at some times like 135 miles per hour, resulted uh, in like severe damage to the Salita movement factory. One person actually died, unfortunately. I think because there was summer holidays during that time, you know, the casualties were, let's say, minimized. But still, it's very unfortunate that this happened and uh, it destroyed the manufacturing facility of the Salita movement. And this movement, as we all know, is the powerhouse of for all independent brands, for a lot of non-independent brands, like bigger brands as well. They produce something like uh, 1.5 million movements per year. So they were essentially created to combat ETA, where there was a monopoly yeah. on them. They're like, look, if we're going to make it accessible to everyone, so that's why those independents turned to them, and they're all as they're just as good as ETAs, even though they're 
clones in a lot of ways, but it's like, well, look, we can do it as well as yep, you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what Salida officially stated is that the logistics and parts departments were not affected. However, uh, the the production facility was destroyed, and but they still think that the assembly lines will be um, repaired by August 14th. So it's still going to take about a month until that happens. And since they produce 1.5 million movements per year, that's going to be, oh, let's say, $150,000 uh, movements less, let's say, in a year. And I'm thinking, like, what will be the impact of that considering, you know, they probably have priorities, right? Depending, like, maybe certain brands have have first dibs on their movements. So I'm assuming that that 150,000 movements that we will probably not get will be, will suck for smaller independent brands that probably don't have any priority in getting them. Yeah, they might have to shift. I think Soprod is probably in La Jouperet, which is Citizens Swiss movement manufacturer is probably salivating right now thinking, hey, we can, especially Landeron or maybe Soprod because those are the more affordable. It's, actually, speaking mm-hmm. of La Jupere, uh, their facilities are lo- located right next to Salida. And because tor- because of the nature oh, wow. of tornadoes, it just passed them by and didn't affect them at all. Oh, gosh, yeah, they got crazy. lucky. But they're, I could see that they're probably, it's either going to be that to help Depeni, uh, sorry, to help out, come yeah. to the rescue. Or independents will have to just, you know, give the bad news to their clients. Say, hey, can you wait another yeah. six months? You know, if you pre-order yeah. to watch, yeah. which well, may happen. According to the news, not yeah. the end of the yeah, world. It's not it's ho- hopefully not. And according to what they're stating, that it's only going to take a month to recover. Hopefully, that's it. Because uh, and hopefully, it's only going to be a bit of delays for us, you know, uh, mortals. But maybe it's not as bad exactly. as as it looked. Uh, but uh, if you Google and you look at the pictures of their facility, there is a lot of pictures of the destruction. It's very intense. Sod. It was really bad, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Someone yeah, died. Yeah, one person, one terrible. person died. Uh, and Jesus. then the only reason I think it wasn't more is because there was construction holidays or summer holidays. So that's that's it on the news uh, in the industry. But I have one more piece that I want to talk about that I almost I, that I almost missed. It almost slipped. I think that's amazing that piece, and it's important. And I'm surprised. I'm, I'm like I'm surprised that I that I barely kind of noticed it. It wasn't really like at the top of the news. So this is the Orient Mako 40. They just updated their Makos. Mm. Uh, yeah. Have you seen them already? They are I have. basically they took Mako designs that I not wasn't really a huge fan of Makos, but I think they just make it. They improved everything and made it perfect. It it comes in different design variations. Features the the they display. It, they removed the power charge indicator, and now it's in 39.9 millimeters and 46.5 lug to lug. So it's going to be very comfortable on most wrists. It doesn't have crown guards. They've replaced the... But for the listeners out there, the original Mako was more at the 42 millimeter diameter. So this is a, a, a smaller iteration of yeah, it. Yeah, and right? one thing yeah. I didn't like about the older, let's say, Makos is that the bezel was a bit thin. So like I'm, I, I like the proportion of the bezel thickness to the case. Like I find that, and and you know, like Christopher Ward does that a little bit. I don't like it very much. The the bezels around bezel yeah. are quite thin, so this one they kind of fixed it. I mean, it does look more like the SPB one forty three or even the Submariners, like the vintage ones, right? But that's the you know that's the classic design of a diver. I think the right. uh, they replaced the anodized aluminum in, uh, bezel uh, inserts with the brushed bezel. There's no more day of the week indicator. Now it's just the date. Now, they also, I think, made a bunch of matte dials, so it's more of a rugged appearance. 
I, there are three basic models, black, white, and blue. And there are two other versions that are sunray brushed finishes with apricot and lilac. And they are on NATO straps. Yeah. I think it's awesome. It's case back has an engraving of dolphins. I think that's traditional for Makos in general, for Orient divers, unlike the, the great wave of Kanagawa and the Seikos. It's the Orient Caliber F6722, 40 hours of power reserve, accuracy plus 25 minus 15, which is pretty much like a base Seiko movement, kind of, you know, I mean, yeah. not far from there. Water resistance to 200 meters and price at $600 US on a bracelet. It's nuts. Yeah. I see it at 349 pounds, yeah. 350 pounds. Yeah, that's pounds. it. That's, that's, it's between, depending on what you get it on, it's between 565 and $600 US. No, I, I, I love everything about this watch. I love that it went down yeah. to 40. I love that he put it on steel bezel. Like you said, it makes me think of the SPB 185, which is a great uh, Seiko with the steel bezel. This is the the, the a fantastic uh, sleek watch. The date window is perfectly finished. The yellow tip seconds hand. Well, on the black one. I don't know if they all have yellow tip, but the black one that I saw. The black one has the yellow tip, yeah. But I mean, I don't know if the other ones do, but yeah. yeah they all okay. do. They all do. I'm looking at them right now, yeah. And then... This bracelet, obviously, the clasp is going to be shit, but you can just swap out the clasp or wait on the Uncle, Uncle Strap. Strap. Yeah, just go exactly. there. Exactly. Uncle Strap's going to have a bracelet that come out. There's a Jubilee president, a beads of rice, whatever you want, or just an oyster bracelet like this. This is a great, yep. this puts it to perspective. You go, why would you get anything else at this price? You get this Japanese in-house movement, uh, beautiful diver watch. I'm going to get yeah, this watch. I think, I think I I'm going to get it. I'm probably getting the black or the white. And you know what? One of the reasons why is because the black one designed because it's an aluminum colored bezel as well. It's almost exactly the same kind of style as my Mayan. And I really want to compare because they're almost exactly the same price point. Like this is, I yeah. don't think the and bracelet. It, and let's the, be honest here. You're going to be able to get it. Yeah. I, I don't think the bracelet, uh, bracelet on the Orient can compete with mine because mine just bracelet is fantastic. For, for that price watch, yeah. it's perfect. And I'm pretty sure that the Orient bracelet is going to be not great. But apart from that, I yeah. think that release is fantastic. Absolutely. It's really, really great. All right. I think that might be it. That's a pretty pretty packed episode. Pretty fun. A lot of yeah. info out there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of uh, add to cart, a lot of buy it now, a lot of empty wallets, and uh, a lot of hungry children <laughs> following this episode. <laughs> Papa! A lot of neglect. <laughs> I haven't no. eaten this week. <laughs> Shut up, son. You don't even know what time <laughs> no, it is. I do. I know what time it is. I know. Because I, I have bought this watch. I know what time it is. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I mean, oh. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have anything you want to send that our way, please do that. If you have any news that you think that we should talk about that we might have missed that you think are worth talking about, let us know. You can know how to find us on Instagram. If you don't like us, then just shut up and, and don't do anything about that. Feed yourself. <laughs> Go drink it. Go yeah, drink. Go drink. <laughs> go drink something. Go yeah. drink. Yeah. See you next time. See you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you like our podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at Big Black Clock Watch and through email at info at bigblackclock.watch. Happy hunting, and we will see you on the next episode. <laughs>